Now we continue with our study on the book of Genesis and we're towards the end of the life or the end of the study on the life of Jacob. We've been studying that the trial, the triangle of God's blessings, it really begins with God. And we believe God and his word by faith. And if we say that we really believe God by faith, that will manifest in your obedience. You cannot say that you believe God by faith and not willing to obey. Now, I usually don't like to focus on Mani Pacquiao, but there was a, uh, a YouTube video clip that he was being interviewed. And he said, there are a lot of people who say, who claim that they're Christian, but they do not like to obey the requirements of Christianity. He's not saying that you have to obey to be saved. But if you are really saved, it means your life is a life of obedience. Yes? All right. And we've also studied how the grace of God transforms us. We begin with God's word and his spirit. And he uses people, circumstances, and time to transform us to Christ-likeness. Now, there are many times that God allows certain people and some adverse circumstances to come into our lives. But if we trust that the heart of God is for you and not against you, that God's desire is to mold you, to change you to be more like Christ, then it is easier to accept and to embrace what God is allowing. Now, many of you know through our emails, if you're on the loop, that our brother Aaron, who went to the Philippines for an operation, has been diagnosed with cancer. Yesterday, I got a text that now his mother is also in the hospital and may soon pass away. We don't know. Brother Aaron recently lost his father and most recently lost his brother. Now, how can you continue to focus on God, if all of this is happening, right? It's a big challenge. So can I ask Sister Ruth, Rael, and Jared to come up here? And I believe the congregation should pray for this family. Come on, please come. No, the Bible says in James, is there any of you sick? Let him call for the elders. And let the elders pray. And if he has sinned, he is forgiven. So please come. And congregation, let's pray for this family. Come, please come. Please come so we can pray for wisdom, for strength, for financial provision, and of course, God's will. We all know that the, uh, the only constant thing in the life of the Christian is the love of God. Amen? So let's pray for this family. Would you just extend your hand and pray? God Almighty, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are sovereign. And you know better than us. For your ways are higher than my, our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But Father, above all else, Lord God, your love reigns supreme. Will you again, Lord God, embrace this family? We don't know why this is happening. All we know is that you are in control of all things. And that you can heal Brother Aaron even right now. God, will you just embrace this family? Will you, will you please shower them with your grace?
And will you provide for all that they need? Especially, Lord, give them wisdom and remind them that apart from you, Lord God, there is really nothing more to look forward to. God, will you just bless this family individually and collectively, Lord God, as we wait for your sovereign will and how you will glorify yourself through this situation. These we ask and pray and agree in the mighty and most precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Please continue to pray for them, all right? Christian life is not easy. It's impossible. And only with God can the impossible be made possible. That's why we have to trust the heart of God. Because true blessing really comes through the promise of God, done God's way, done in God's time, that will produce God's best. But many times we are impatient. We pray. And then we pray and tell God what to do. Just like Jacob. He prayed. He prayed the most honest prayer. And then what? The moment he said, Amen. Oh, guys, this is what we're going to do, okay? You be in front and then space out the second and then in front and the third. Why? Because my brother has 400 men with him. What happened to his prayer? He didn't even wait for God to answer. Be still and know that I am God. What else can we do? For example, in their case, can we really do anything at the end of the day? No. So be still and know that God is God. Can God heal Brother Aaron right now? Without need of any further medication or, or surgery or what? So trust the Lord. But we must do our part. Have ourselves checked. Take the medication, right? We have to do our part. We have to cooperate with God. So as Brother George in our heart prep this morning, he reminded us that in Genesis uh, 35, we read of the story of threes. Three commands to follow. Remove your idols. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Three encounters with God. God, in those three times in the book of Genesis chapter 35, it was he who initiated communication with Jacob. Then God said, then God said, then God said. And then three funerals. The first one, Deborah, the nurse of Rebekah. That was the second and last mention of the name of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau, who told Jacob, it's okay. Let us deceive your dad. I will take care of your curse. Never mentioned again. She never saw her son Jacob again because she had died by that time. Second, who died? Rachel, the wife, last death, who died? Isaac. Who buried Isaac? Jacob and Esau. Because 
Jacob had a personal encounter with God. Jacob began to obey God. Jacob had moral and spiritual ascendancy over his tribe, if you want to call it a tribe. And he returned. And there was a family reunion. And in that family, both sons were able to bury their own father. Did God allow many things to happen in between? Yes. But in the end, Jacob lived a good life. And both his sons buried him. This morning, we go to Genesis chapter 36. How many of you like to watch Price is Right? You like? How many of you like to watch Let's Make a Deal? You like that? Usually in the Price is Right, in the final round, you have two contestants, right? And then you will bid on package number one. Or you can pass. And you can bid on package number two. But if you pass on package number one, you have no choice but to bid on package number two, right? My message today is very simple. Door number one or door number two? You cannot have both. You can only have one. All right? Now, here I give you the clue. Behind door number one, right? Think about it. Behind door number one, you will find strangers in the land, poor, slaves, wanderers, and your generation will die off. Now, behind door number two, you have, you will have your own land, you will be rich, you have be beautiful, you have chiefs, and you have kings. What will you choose? Let's pray. God Almighty, teach us, Lord, to discern your will. What may be in front of us, Lord God, may not be the one that is best for us. So give us your wisdom, Lord, through your word. And may your word touch all of our hearts this morning as we continue to study the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. Teach us, Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 36. Can we stand and just read a few verses? Verse 1. Now these are the records of the generations of Esau, that is, Edom. Esau took his wife.
You may be seated. It's funny from up here when we don't read all at the same time, we are sound like the Tower of Babel. All right. Genesis 36 is the genealogy of Esau. Emma is here. Many of you don't know Emma. She's just been coming to us a few weeks. And she asked me a question. Why is it that there is a genealogy? What is that for? Long story short, we shared with her that your genealogy shows you your roots, where you came from. I shared with her that my grandfather was born in Gibraltar in the 1800s. He migrated to the US. He became a US citizen. He joined the US Army. He went to the Philippines in, 1940, in eight, no, 1899 to, do, to join the United States Armed Forces during the Spanish-American War. He settled there, and he married his first wife, Francesca Dubuzet, with whom he had two children, one, Gertrude Nolan, and the second, Richard Nolan Jr., after the demise of his first wife, Francesca Dubuzet, he married my grandmother. They had three children, Jesus, Mary, and Ramon. Ramon married Annie Nolan, with whom he had nine children, and I am the seventh of those nine. Because of that genealogy, it was unbeknownst to us that when we were born in the Philippines, we were born as United States citizens with no additional operation of law. All I needed to do was to file for a U.S. passport. That's how important your genealogy could be. That's why you have all of these advertisements, Ancestry.com, Ancestry. I thought I married an Italian. And then they do your DNA, etc., etc. And then what? Oh, I'm not Italian. I'm only 15%. You see? All of those stuff. Genealogy is also important. Because here, in the book of Genesis, chapter 36, we look at the genealogy of Esau. Verse 9. These are the records of the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in the hill country of Seir. Verse 19. These are the sons of Esau, that is, Edom. And these are their chiefs. Now these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the sons of Israel. Remember door number two? Chiefs and kings? So why is this important? Why is Genesis 36 a mere genealogy of the, the, fa the family or line of Esau? Why is it important? Because Esau is Edom. Esau is the father of the Edomites. All right? So from now on, when you read your Bibles, and I hope you read your Bibles, 
Anytime and every time that you will encounter Edom or the Edomites, it should remind you of whom? If you're reading your Tagalog Bible, every time you read Edom or Edomites, who should it remind you of? Esau. Okay? Anytime. So when you read, and then Edom, oh, Esau. Alright? Now, the wives of Esau. Door number one or door number two? Basimath. Okay? Her name means perfumed one. Yung iba ganito pa, shh. Okay? Yes or no? Ah, you think I don't observe you, huh? Ada. The adorned one. Oh. Ang tawag natin dyan? Borloloy. Adorned one. Maybe headpiece, nice earrings, you know, bracelets, anklets, right? Necklace. The adorned one. Mahalath. Kala ko, medyo, hindi pala. Mahalat. The musical one. Oh, okay. Right? Mahalat. You know, you, you know these biblical names? They represent something. Eh? Right? Oh, Judith. The praised one. Alright? Oh, yeah, Judith. Oh. See? Is this the only time you know that that's the meaning of your name? Oh, ang hirap nito. Oh, Holy Bama. Parang holy daw si Obama, hindi ko maintindihan. Oh, Holy Bama. What does it mean? Tall, stately. Di ba? Now, what's my point? My point is this. All of these are external. They're all external. They're all external facets. Hmm, bango niya. Wow, dami niya alahas. Right? Oh, galing niyang tumugtog. Okay? Musical one eh. The praise one. Wow, lutim siya. And then what? Tangkad. Definitely, I'm not Oholibama. I am neither tall nor stately. But look. Look at the wives of Esau. Their descriptions, their names, which reflect how they are described, are all external. Right? If you read the Bible in 1 Peter, wives, what should be your adornment? The outward adornment of what? Of a gentle and quiet spirit. What is that? Internal. Look at all the descriptions. Puro external. Right? Now, who are these? In Genesis 26, verse 34, we read, When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, and Be Basimath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Why? Because they were not supposed to marry women outside their family. That's why Abraham sent a messenger to their own land to get a wife for 
Isaac. And then Abraham gave the messenger a lot of requirements. If he goes there, and then if, if, if this woman gives water to my camels, that is the one. And then if she's willing to go, uh, so many requirements. Iso, you get the difference? And because Esau married outside, okay? Esau married outside, what happened? It brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. That is why, my friends, the Bible is telling us and giving us commands. It is for our good. It is for our benefit. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Right? And then I share with you the second verse. For what does God have to do with Belial? Belial is an idol. is a false god. It is that serious. God wants you to marry within your faith, within your belief system, so that you are blessed. We are already we already marry into our own faith and we still have problems with our relationships. Right? Yes or no? What more if you marry somebody outside? More problems. I think we should turn right. Nah. -uh. I think left is better. How can you go along the same path if you don't believe the same things? If you don't believe the same God if you do not exercise the same faith. God's commands are not burdensome. They are given to us for our good. But we become impatient. Never mind. He is handsome. He is rich. She is beautiful. Anyway, when we get married, I will turn the tide. Nah. -uh. Paul was very clear. How do you know, O oh man, that you will save your wife? How do you know, O oh woman, that you will save your husband? Furthermore, in verse 28, in chapter 28, when Esau saw the daughters of Canaan displease his father Isaac, and Esau went to Ishmael and married beside the wives he had, Mahalat, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaoth. Wow, we have to finish this Old Testament. The sister of Nebayot na lang. Why did Esau marry some more? Why did he get some more wives? Because he saw that marrying outside displeased his father. Why would he like to get even with his father? Because he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And when the blessing was given to, to Jacob, even if it were given by deceit, he could not retract it. And he begged and he pleaded and he cried, Is there no other blessing left for me? And his father gave the reverse blessing that he gave to his son, Jacob. To spite his father, what did he do? He knew that by marrying the daughters of Canaan, it would further displease his father. So that's what he did. To make matters worse, 
where did he go? He went to Ishmael. And who is Ishmael? The daughter, uh, the son of Abraham and Hagar. When they interfered, when they intervened in God's plan of salvation. Because ultimately, through the line will come Messiah. Oh, we're old. Maybe God wants you to have relationship with our maid so that through our maid, you can bear a son. They messed up God's plan. And here is Esau trying to get back at his father by marrying outside. And he's already done it twice. And he's again doing it. And to make matters worse, to make it even more spiteful, ha, I will go to the tribe, the family of Ishmael. Do you see the, do you see the point? Do you see why his wives, the wives that he had, the descriptions were all external? See? You don't see God there. You just see outward beauty. So Esau continued to displease his father. In 36, verse 6 and 7, what happened? Then Esau took his wives and his sons and his daughters and all his household and his livestock and all his cattle, and all his goods which he had acquired in the land of Canaan, and went to another land away from his brother Jacob. They were already apart for 30 plus years. Then God allowed a reunion. God continued to bless them, and they became prosperous. Right? Then in verse 7, why? For their property had become too great for them to live together, and the land where they sojourned could not sustain them because of their livestock. It is an excellent economic plan. Yes or no? Yes. But at what cost? You're going to leave your father, who by this time has already died. You're going to leave your brother with whom you were just recently reunited. It makes sense. No problem. All I need to do is I'll take everything that I have and go to another land because the land could not sustain both our flocks. You remember Abraham and who was it? Lot. Their herdsmen began to have quarrels with each other. Right? Abraham being the bigger man said, okay, you choose. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. What did Lot choose? He chose the pasture. Why? Because he saw with his eyes beautiful grazing land. To the other side, dry, arid mountains. So Lot chose the pasture, but it was towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham chose the hill country. But what happened to Lot? 
he was brought in to their system. Instead of Lot being an influence on the Sodomites, the Sodomites had influence on Lot. Economic decisions, even if they are on paper, correct, may not necessarily mean that's where God wants you to be. Because, my friends, the, bless, the best place for you and I to be is in the center of God's will. If God wants you to move you from point A to point B, you should blossom in point B. If God wants you to stay in point A, you should stay in point A. Because to be outside of the will of God is a recipe for disaster. Economically speaking, it was okay. But now, you're away from your family. Of course, very easy. Well, I need to go because the pasture over there is greener. Right? A lot of us, when we were still in the Philippines, why do you want to go to the States? The land of milk and honey. The home of the brave. The land of the free. And then, you're behind bars. Balik mo pa sa Pilipinas. It's not always greener on the other side. If God wants you to stay in a certain place, will God not bless you wherever you are? If you are in His will? Yes. If you are in a better place, but you're outside of the will of God, you might not experience the blessings of God over there. Esau chose, okay, using my eyes, okay, I'm going to move, why? We, we can't, we just have to go away. So what happened? Look at his descendants because he's blessed. Eliphaz, what does it mean? Pure gold. Zerah, the rising. Parang horror movie to the rising, Dishon, the Dion, Dishon, Gazelle. Of 81 in his genealogy, only about two have a hint, okay? Hindi, not sure. Just a hint of God in their names. As a matter of fact, one of his descendants, okay, even has a name of an idol Baal Hanan. Genesis 36, verse 18. I'm not going to go through the entire genealogy because you will all fall asleep and I will fall asleep ahead of you. Because son and son begat son and son who was a king of that. Okay? So I'm going to encapsulate everything for you. Do you notice the descriptions of his descendants are still what? Based on the external. Now, look at his chiefs. These are the chiefs of the sons of Esau. Teman, chief Teman, chief Omar, chief Zepho, chief Kenaz, chief Korah, chief Gatam, chief Amalek, chief Nathan, chief Zerah, chief Shama, chief Miza, chief Jeyush, chief Jalam, chief Korah, chief Lotan, chief Shobal, chief Simeon, chief Anna, chief Dishon, chief Ezer, chief Dishan. Meron pa. Chief Timna, Chief Alba, hindi magkasya sa slide. Chief Jene, Chief Oholibama, Chief Ella, 
Chip Pinon, Chip Kenas, Chip Teman, Chip Mibzar, Chip Magdiel, and Chip Iram. These are the chiefs of Edom, that is, Esau. Now, if, if your tribe is like this, you're blessed. All of the, most of your descendants are chiefs. Right? If you have a book of genealogy, wow, puro chief. Kulang lang dito, chief cook. Chiefs, okay. Those are the chiefs. How about the kings? Now, these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king reigned over the sons of Israel. Alright? So, you have a lot of chiefs. Bela, the son of Beor, was a king. Jobab, the son of Zerah, was a king. Hush, Husham, of the land of the Temanites, was a king. Hadad, the son of Bedad, was a king. Samla of Maserak, Mas, Ma, Masreka, was a king. Shol of Rehoboth was a king. Balal Hanan. Baal Hanan. Baal is a god. Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, was a king. And Hadar became king in his place. Your family, your genealogy is full of chiefs and kings. Would you have say, can you say, that you are a success? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. From a human, earthly, worldly perspective, you are a success. In the Philippines, there's election going on right now, right? Usually, political dynasties. My great, 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 great grandfather was the mayor. And my great, and down, down the line, down the line, down the line, down the line. Because many times when you look at the family background, wow, your family is a success. How many chiefs, how many kings, Esau? You are good. Why do we have to study the genealogy of Esau anyway? Right? Why? Friends, Genesis 36, the genealogy of Esau is important to us because, number one, God wanted his people to know who the Edomites are. Number two, so that you and I do not follow this line. What do I mean? Numbers 20. From Kadesh, Moses sent messengers to the king of Edom. Who is the king of Edom? Who is the forefather of the Edomites? Esau. From Kadesh, Moses sent messengers to the king of Edom. Thus your brother Israel has said, You know all the hardship that has befallen us, that our fathers went down to Egypt. And we stayed in Egypt a long time. And the Egyptians treated us and our fathers badly. But when we cried to the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us out from Egypt. Now behold, we are at Kadesh, a town at the edge of your territory. 
please let us pass through your land. We will not pass through field or through vineyard. We will not even drink water from a well. We will go along the king's highway, not turning to the right or the left until we pass through the territory. Edom, however, said to him, You shall not pass through us, or I will come out with the sword against you. Against the sons of Israel, said to him, We will go up to the highway, and if I, find, and, if I and my livestock do drink any of your water, then I will pay its price. Let me only pass through on my feet, nothing else. Who are these people who are asking safe passage? The Israelites. Who are the Israelites? The cousins of the Edomites. Why? Because there's only two. Esau and Jacob. Jacob became Israel, right? Edom be uh, Esau became the father of the Edomites. So now, they are traveling out of Egypt. They have already been released. And they're going towards the promised land. And all they're asking is, can we pass? What did the Edomites say? No. Oh, okay. Maybe you didn't understand. If any of us even drink water from your wells, we will pay. Nothing else. Just let us pass. But he said, you shall not pass through. And Edom came out against him with a heavy force and with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to allow Israel to pass through his territory. So Israel turned away from him. Now when they set out from Kadesh, the sons of Israel, the whole congregation came to Mount Hor. What happened? Were they allowed to go through? Who prevented them from going through? Edom, the Edomites, their very cousins did not allow them to pass through. So what happened? They had to go around. You have relatives like that? To be honest, the very relative you expect to help you many times is your worst enemy. Come on, really, right? Ah, let's go to so-and-so. For sure, my cousin will help me. The greatest disappointment. Right? To remind the Israelites, when Moses wrote the first five books, to remind the Israelites about who these Edomites are, these are the people who did not allow us to pass through. That's why we had to take the longer route. They did not allow us. Our very own cousins, your own flesh and blood, so to speak, did not allow you to go through. Successful? Yes. Kings and chiefs. Very evil. Mind you, there's nothing wrong with money. Okay? There's nothing wrong with money. Just don't make money your God. The Bible is not against money. 
You see, but because we are very astute in reading the Word of God, we are very quick. Oh, money is the root of all kinds of evil. Read your Bible. It doesn't say that. It says, the love of money is a, just one, is a root of all evil, of all kinds of evil. It does not say that money is evil. What you do with your money makes it evil or not. Your pursuit of money can make it your idol. God is not against money. God wants to bless you. And some of God's blessings are financial in nature. But when you and I make God, make money our God, when you and I make success our God, guess what? God looks at it as idolatry. God looks at it as adultery. He said the love for this world is adultery towards God because you love this world more than you love God. And when you and I came into personal relationship with God, God says, ako lang. Just like when you get married, says, it's just you, you and me, nobody else. What happened? His very own cousins did not allow him safe passage. The Edomites, Esau is Edom. We fast forward to the New Testament. Then, Matthew chapter 2. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. What in the world does Herod have to do with Esau? Josephus in his writings has determined by genealogy that Herod is from Idumea, the land of the Edomites. Therefore, by genealogy, by blood, King Herod the Great is from the line of the Edomites. Look at this king. The wise men, the Magi, already told him about the birth of Messiah. He deceived them and told them, Oh, where is this king so that I may worship too? But when God spoke to the Magi and left, King Herod got mad. Oh, they deceived me. To make sure, he sent out what? He sent out his soldiers to kill every male below two years old. Edomite. Man of great success. He is called Herod the Great because he really built great things. My wife and I were able to go up to Masada. Masada is a fortress high on top of a mountain. It is self-sustaining. Where do they get the water? They have managed to carve out some canals 
when the clouds come down at night, of course, you have what? Moisture. The, the canals will, will store that moisture, will bring it down to a cistern in the middle. That's why if you read your history about church history and the wars between the Romans and the Jews, you will find out that Masada was the last to fall. Why? Because it was self-sustaining. Who built that fortress? King Herod the Great. Who built the temple which exists up to now? King Herod the Great. What is his genealogy? Edomite. Descendant of Esau. Successful by the world's standards. Now this King Herod had a son who was also named King Herod, King Herod Antipas. In Luke 23, Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus. For he had wanted to see him for a long time because he had been hearing about him and hoping to see some, performed, some sign performed by him. So this King Herod Antipas, he was the ruler of Galilee. When Pilate found out that Jesus was from Galilee, he sent him to be judged by King Herod. Herod was enamored by this Jesus of Nazareth because of the signs and wonders that he had been performing. So he wanted to see who this Jesus was. Why? Because maybe you can make a mini miracle na lang. Mini miracle for me. But Jesus did not do anything. As a matter of fact, he kept completely silent. He did not answer any of the charges. This King Herod Antipas also was the one who ordered that the head of John the Baptist be removed. Because the daughter of his mistress danced so beautifully. He said, what is it you ask? Ask me anything and I will give it. But because there was an influence on this girl who danced, she asked, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Herod had to comply. So he had John the Baptist beheaded, and they brought the head of John the Baptist on a platter and presented this to this girl. Who is King Herod Antipas? Descendant of Edom descendant of Esau. Look at verse 11. And Herod with his soldiers, after treating him with contempt and mocking him, dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Who is this him that they're talking about? Jesus. And who is this King Herod? Descendant of Esau. Evil. Now, you may be successful in the world's standards. You can be the best at anything that you do. But please, may I encourage you, don't be like Esau. Because this is what the Bible has to say about him. In Hebrews 12, 16 and 17, the warning is this, that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, 
who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Why? Why was he rejected? For he found no place for repentance, even though he sought for it with tears. You can be the richest person in the world. But if the Bible describes you as immoral, worse, godless, door number one or door number two? See, as I said, money has no morals. Money in and of itself, success in and of itself is not bad. But when this happens to you in Revelation 3, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth, God says. Because you say what? I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Money can be your God. Your pursuit of success can be your God. And when you are against God, I remind you, you're never going to win. Sooner or later, God will still prevail. They lost their first love. Why? They became rich. Oh, I'm rich. I don't need anyone. I have no need. And your riches can blind you. Look, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. But you say, I'm rich. In Deuteronomy, God already told the people. God told Moses to remind the people, when you go into the promised land, when you become rich, you will forget me. But do not forget this thing, that it's the Lord our God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. True blessings come from God, not from the money that you make. Because even your ability to produce money comes from God. I like what our brother George challenged us this morning. We are here to look for the blessor. Not the blessing. In your pursuit and my pursuit of God, the blessings come naturally if we become obedient to Him. We don't run after God because of the blessing. We, the blessing is God Himself. And if you are not happy with the blessing of God, you will not be happy with any kind of material blessing because you're not content, because you're not happy with God. I can be the poorest rat on the face of the earth. But if I have God, I have the confidence that when the time comes, I will spend eternity with Him in heaven. I will walk in the streets of gold where there is no weeping, no gnashing of teeth. I can be the richest man on earth but spend the rest of eternity with the devil. You see, Mark 8.36 says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and what? Forfeit his soul. Mind you, not just his life, his soul. 
That's why Jesus Christ gave us this parable. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, What shall I do since I shall have no place to store my crops? Big problem. Then he said, to, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, build larger ones, and there I will store all my grains and my goods. He had a good problem, right? He's so blessed, his, his storage cannot accommodate the blessing anymore. Very simple. I'll tear down the smaller ones, I'll build bigger ones, right? And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you, many years to come. Take your ease, drink, and be merry. Okay. Can he afford it? Of course. Very blessed, very prosperous. Eh? But God said to him, You fool. This very night, you're what? Your soul. Your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So is, it, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Your soul is demanded of you. But because of your riches, because you have a good life, so what happens? Oh, eat, drink, and be merry. What happened to his soul? He didn't take care. He did not look after his soul. He's just running after the pursuits of the world. Fortune, fame, riches. My family is a family of chiefs and kings. How about God? Never mind. My family is a family of chiefs and kings. You fool, God says. Your soul will be demanded of you this very night. Now what will you do with all of that? You can't bring it. You can't bring it with you. I showed you this chart before, right? Expectation versus your experience. The gap is your disappointment. And because the world has managed to convince us that there is a certain standard that we should live by, I still have no house up to now. I still drive my old 1986 car. Ang makina, Yeah. The world convinced us that we cannot be content if we are not living this lifestyle. But the Bible says that God will provide all of our and sometimes because God is good, He even gives us the desires of our hearts. Not only will, we, will God provide us for all our needs, God many times even gives us the desires of our heart. Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord. See, it, first it comes from the Lord. Delight. Enjoy God. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Your needs are met. Even your desires, God will give to you. If that is God's plan for you. So we need to reset. 
You know, when you do not know how to run the computer, what do you do? Nasa na reset dito. We need the reset. That's why here, Paul reminds us. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, again, beginning with God, present your bodies as living and holy sacrifices acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Begins with God. God is talking to the Christians in Rome. Right? And what is he telling us? In verse number one, worship does not only happen on Sundays. To the Christian, worship is a lifestyle. Ay, Pastor, I'm just a housewife. Do your best as your worship to God. Oh, I'm just like this. I'm just like that. If you do it as a worship to God, God will be pleased with you. Worship does not happen only on Sunday. Nag-worship ka na ba? Aga-aga pa, wala pang 9.30. Mamaya pa worship, 9.30. Late nga tayo, 9.40 nga tayo nag-umpisa eh. Commercial. You see, many of us have that mindset eh. I am an employee Monday through Saturday. I am a Christian Sunday morning between the hours of 9 and 12. That's why I challenged you last week in the book of Ephesians. The context is put off the old self. Put it off permanently and put on the new self. Put it on permanently 24-7. If you are in Christ, behold the old is gone, the new has come. That's why we need to change the mindset. My whole life since I came to faith in Christ should be an, an offering of worship to God. That's why I need verse 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern to this world, but be transformed. Don't conform to the world, be transformed to the image of Christ. By what? The renewing of your mind. Begins with the mind. And then what? So that you will be able to prove what the will of God is. And what is the will of God? It is good. It is acceptable. And it is perfect. If you want to know what God's will is for you, my friend, get into the word of God. You cannot Know the will of God if you just keep on. I'm no longer doing this. I'm no longer doing this. I'm no longer doing this. You have to replace it with something new. Out with the old, in with the new. But many times we are just human as well. When we see the people around us who are materially, financially blessed, and they don't even know God? As a matter of fact, they are completely against God? There is a strong temptation to let go. Just like this man in Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling, my steps almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant, and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death. 
their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. For their eye bulges from fatness. The imagination of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. When you and I take away our eyes from God and we see, there's a temptation that we will be drawn into that, just like what Psalm is, is telling us. He says he almost slipped because these are the wicked and the wicked are the ones that are being blessed. Here am I, obedient to God, yet I am poor, I am distressed, I have problems left and right. He almost slipped. And then, as they say in golf, he made the recovery. Alvin He made the recovery. He said, Whom abide in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are faithful, unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. This is the basis of the song that we sing. Whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My heart and my strength, many times they fail. But there is one truth that always will prevail. God is the strength of my heart. God is the strength of my heart. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever, forever. God. Man, if you have God, you have it all. Not necessarily how the world would describe it, but, but as the word of God describes it. This psalmist made the recovery. He said, I almost slipped. I almost fell into the trap. I need the newest car. I need the biggest house. I need the newest cell phone. I need the newest brand name clothes. Give it to the young people. Oh, commercial. <laughs> Give it to the young people. The pursuit of happiness in this world is fleeting. Why? This world will be burned. But if you store our treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not decay, when you enter heaven, you will rejoice. 
God, I've done everything that you've asked of me. And I hope you will say to me on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. If you go to hell, the devil will tell you almost the same thing. Well done. <laughs> Mainit dun eh. Hanggang dun ka na lang. Eh? Door one or door number two? Look at door one. The genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. And Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Psalm 37, Genesis 37 verse 1 says, And Jacob stayed in the land of Canaan. Esau went out to follow his desires. Jacob stayed. And what is his genealogy? Through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob comes Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So door number one, strangers in the land, poor slaves, wanderers, and a generation will die off. Messiah will come. Door number two. Have your own land, rich, beautiful chiefs, kings, but you have a godless generation. You choose door number one or door number two. It is your choice. The Bible has warned us that if we follow the world, we are setting ourselves up for shipwreck. Esau chose to follow the world. And he has managed to breed a godless generation. If you choose door number one, you may suffer. You may go through hardship. Just as the Israelites did. But at the end comes Messiah. At the end comes salvation. What do you choose? Let's pray. God, you've given us the freedom of our will to make decisions. And I pray that these bodies of believers right here, Lord, are making the right decisions. And if there is still anyone here in this room, O oh God, who yet does not have a personal relationship with you, will you speak, Lord God, for your servants are listening. If you sense that you are that person, then you can repent of your sin, turn away from your sin, and turn to God. And ask Jesus Christ by faith to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to change you by the power of His Holy Spirit, 
to live a righteous and victorious life. You can say that in your own words. And God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter what you've done. God is willing to accept you through Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you have managed to be sucked in to the materialism of this world, then repent of that too. Don't make this world your idol. Turn your back to the world and turn your face toward God and confess your sin because he is just and righteous to not only forgive you of your sin but cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God Almighty, thank you for the warnings as well as the promises of your word. Lord, may we take heed. May we take your word seriously, Lord God. And not only become Christians on Sundays. But really follow you every day of our lives. Every day that you give us. May be a life of worship unto you. Be glorified in our lives, Lord God. Even as we take a few quiet moments right now to let your Holy Spirit move in our midst. God, we just want to thank you for your patience. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and your mercy upon us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have our discussion questions. Very simple. What kind of legacy will you leave behind and why you say that? And then what can you do to ensure a godly legacy? Now, the young people may think, what legacy? I'm a kid. Well, if you have siblings, you can leave an impression upon them. Well, I don't have siblings. Well, you can make an impression upon your friends, upon your schoolmates. So these questions, you cannot escape answering them, okay? So what kind of legacy will you leave behind and, what, and why? And then what can you do to ensure a godly legacy? We also have the opportunity to worship God through our giving. So we have the offering box at the back. And if you would like a receipt, please indicate your names over there so Brother Edwin can give you your receipt. Thank you and have a blessed Sunday, everyone.